Uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We are finishing up our series as we talk about a thankful heart. I have enjoyed this series. I've actually got more feedback than normal about this series, and the whole goal of the series as we talk about a thankful heart is when you, and I say this probably every year, when you sit down with your kids, we have a tradition that says, what are you thankful for? And what's instantly that happens when you sit down for Thanksgiving, there's, you always want to go first. I've said that because it goes like faith and then what's next? Family. And then, right, so it goes down the line and you never want to be, we had seven kids as, I mean, we had five kids growing up and you never want to be at the end of the line, right? It would start with my dad and then it would go, it would always be the last one. So then you're just making stuff up at the end. And, and that's, that's normal, right? So you sit down for Thanksgiving and you're, you're thankful for the things that God has given you. So we're trying to look at this a little bit differently. So this is just review of what we covered so far. So part one was talking about you are not where you're at by yourself. Like we'd like to credit ourselves for our own hard work and our effort. But at the end of the day, you stand on the shoulders of giants is how we say it. You stand on other people's shoulders from uh, innovations at work and at school and especially at home. To have the job you have and to be where you're at, you're sitting on someone's shoulders that have brought you here. And I think it's just a humbling thing. And ultimately, our takeaway was, it is Christ who we stand on the most. So we have a freedom to help others and let them stand on our shoulders. Our whole goal in life is not just to feel good all the rest of our life by squishing other people down. But there's, there's a certain level of maturity and a beauty and humbleness that says, I get to help the next generation succeed even greater than I ever succeeded. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So that was part one. And then part two, we talked about... If you are successful, though, this is where this kind of rams together. This is where it's difficult. You probably had to work. And not too many of you, just by pure privilege, have gotten placed to where you are and have the success that you have, so you have to work. And I think that's, that there's something to that. So the main things we looked at was that God has given you your ability to work, and, God, and that's a good thing, and God has given you the skills that you have. So that's two different things. So God is just allowing you to work. That's a gift. And then God is giving you the skills necessary to succeed. So often we kind of push our own skills down and we think about how hard we work. That's what we focused on. If you just got where you got by just sheer privilege, like someone did everything for you and just plopped you at your own success and you make the same money you make now doing nothing, do you think that would be a satisfying life? I think it would actually be a miserable life. And I'll give you two examples because one, this is definitely true. It's in a movie. <laughs> Has anyone seen this movie? What? Some have seen it. All right. If you have not seen it by now, I'm going to spoil it. So just uh, you might want to cover your ears. I'll try not to spoil the. Well, I'll just spoil the whole thing. It doesn't. It wasn't that great. So and it was pretty. And it was predictable. Like I'm watching it on the airplane. So this is like the worst feeling ever when you're on Southwest and then it's like an hour and thirty minute flight, and then you can't quite finish the movie and you're like, oh, do I do I want to finish it on the way back or not finish it? And this is one I actually queued back in. I have no idea how. Uh, that one with uh, Lady Gaga and who's the other guy, Bradley Cooper. I don't know how that officially ends. I could guess, but I have like 10 minutes left, and, I, eh, and then I'm not going to go back. And this one, I did go back to finish. But the gist is this. Uh, he's a famous author. I think he's getting the Nobel Prize for literature, and it's especially they kind of go back in time, how they started. They're both writers, and, you know, and how this romance, budding romance starts, and it goes on and on. And you start to figure out what's going to happen, which is she is actually the one writing the books. And she's the one doing all the work, and he's getting all the accolades. And I liked how they portrayed it, because as a human being, he's a horrible human being. And why is it? He has affairs, like, all the time. And, and, and she has come to grips with this. She's explaining it to her kids. But the gist is, she's saying, um, like, he is so empty because he has all this success, and all these people are saying how great he is. But at the end of the day, he knows it's nothing he did. 
So what is I saying? If you have all this blessing and someone just handed it to you, it's a miserable existence. I'll give you one other example. You don't know them. A couple I, I was counseling at the time, they got a, ended up getting a divorce, but I remember going through and talking, and it came through she was not very proud of the job he had. He had a pretty good job, but it was not like up to her standards. And it came out later that uh, they were living in a very nice home, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is really a nice place. But they were not paying for the house. The in-laws were paying for the house. And if you want to know something, here would be step number one, and I'll, I'll apply this to your kids. If you want to emasculate a guy faster than you can imagine, it is saying to him as a spouse to say, hey, you are not good enough. What you earn is not good enough, and what we're doing is not good enough. We need a higher standard of living. And I've, I've seen relationships like that starts, actually, it's a, in the, the show Poldark, where the guy's a minor, and she was this actress, and they, they got together, and he was trying to make the house really nice for the girl, which is one thing. But the other is saying that what you are doing is not good enough. And so in this relationship, you can imagine how deflating that was as a human being that this guy had to go home and know his in-laws were paying his mortgage. Speed ahead uh, a little, uh, this is more recently, if you talk about Felicity Hoffman and this scam to try and get people into UFC and all this work and paying like $500,000 to get their kids illegally into schools that they didn't deserve. How do you think that feels? So when my daughter went to school, I wrote a letter, you know, my dearest Isabel, and I wrote this letter. How would it feel like at the end line says, and P.S., you really don't deserve to be here. It's because of your dad's money. Love, dad. Right? It, this, is a, this is an ongoing thing. When you talk about thankfulness, it's always hard when you see your kids run into adversity and things like that, or they don't make a team and you want to do something or you want to talk to the coaches, you want to do these things. There is a beautiful thing, and there's a joy that comes with saying, here's the gifts God has used, given you, like we talked about, and now go use those gifts. So I think that's the part of our thankfulness, right? God has given you the ability, and he's given you gifts. We're going to go a little bit different direction today. A as we finish up, i got to just go, <laughs> I'm going to go backwards. That's Glenn Close, right? Yeah. I know two movies Glenn Close is in, so <laughs> those are the other one I think involved a knife in a, in a, in a pot of stew or something like that. That's the name of that. What was the name of it? Fatal Attraction. Rick was on it. He was. On, he's a Glenn Close fan. <laughs> For the other person that likes Glenn Close, you can talk to Rick. So we were uh, we're going through, and I want to talk about a few different things. And the gist of what I want to get to is that God works in space and time. And that's I think kind of a fascinating thing when you think about it. So there's a. a this will be my last reference to a movie. I think. Um, the movie Interstellar, has anyone seen Interstellar? Matthew McConaughey. So Matthew McConaughey used to be huge and jacked, and then he got a role where he got skinny. And you never do that in your 40s because you can never get big again. So that's a rule of thumb if any of you are an actor. Never try and skinny down when you're in your 40s. You, you lose all your muscle mass. But that's what happened to Matthew McConaughey. Now he's in Interstellar with the weirdest space mask of all time. Have you guys seen this? Where it's like this close to his face. It's always kind of strange to me. But what was intriguing about that whole movie is we understanding dimensions. So there's... You know, two dimensions is flat. It's like flat Stanley's two-dimensional. And then you have three-dimensional. Three-dimensional printing is fantastic. And then you get to the fourth dimension. And this is what they're trying to wrestle with in this movie, which I thought was somewhat intriguing, is that there is a dimension where you're outside of space and time. And the way they tried to do this is show like this weird, you know, like swirly kind of thing where he goes through. And eventually he's communicating like before he left on the spaceship. He's And I'm ruining another movie. Maybe I'm making it better. <laughs> um, so he's, he's communicating with his daughter so that she can save the earth, but the way he's doing this is going through space and time. Does that make sense? 
Well, it shouldn't because we don't understand space and time in the fourth dimension. That was a trick question. But God is outside of space and time. When the Bible talks about it, uh, 2 Peter, he's trying to talk to the people who are wondering about when the world is going to end. He says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like today. Time, time is, God is outside of time, and I can't quite get my brain around that. And I just had a question even from the, we have a section for the rock students when they go upstairs called Stump. It was called Stump the Vicar and Stump the Pastor. But here's the question. Uh, how can God exist forever when he had to make existence? I'm not going to tell you how that was all spelled, but there was existence was spelled with E-G-G-E-S-T. I think that's how it was spelled. But you get this idea. This is what's intriguing to kids to try and understand time and how does this work and how can God be forever and how does this movement work and how can what, what seems like forever to me when God is like, you know, be ready, the world is going to end and it's 2,000 years later and we're like, it still hasn't happened. Time is just different to God. So with that, what time, and, but God, when he works with us, works in time and space. And I think that's fascinating. So what time of, if you could choose, when would you want to be born? Like what era? Like 2000? BC? Like, could you imagine what your life would be like? 2000 BC? And then you like, just move all the way through, like the time of Jesus, like how difficult that era, like under the Roman government. Like you born in 2000 BC in Egypt, you're probably a slave. Right? You're not Egyptian. Uh, like what happened like think about this time like what if i was born at like zero which i always thought would be fascinating to be like on earth when the same time jesus was but that does not like subsistence living there's no refrigerators and just trying to understand this eating a lot of salted fish all the time does not sound that awesome right and so you you start shifting through and sometimes people look back on like the ren fair and they kind of go through and they you know put the ren fair costumes on it's kind of fascinating and intriguing and if you've ever watched a documentary on personal hygiene that is all you need to know that, like, you don't really want to be born in the Middle Ages. Like, just sh shift back. And we kind of, we glorify some of these past times. Like, now I think we look back, and I'm from the 80s. That's where I, uh, kind of the prime of my life and formative years. And so I watch Stranger Things, and I think it's really funny. And I see, like, you know, like, all the, the things that are connected to it. Or they had an 80s band that played a concert. They had 5,000 people show up. That tells you how young our population here in Castle Rock is. 5,000 people came to go witness this 80s band play, and it was packed because this is reliving an era, right? The 70s, I think most of us are willing to skip the 60s. But the 50s that has like an intrigue too, right? So if you go to a car show, there is always people there that love like this sense of 50s, this clean cut idea, this diner idea, the cars were you know, cheaper and more affordable. The roaring 20s is coming around, like parties. If you're talking about New Year's, the, the 20s are going and like, the cool flapper hairdo. That's cool, right? And the mustaches that were going, right? That's the only reason my hair is long, if you've never known that. It was always short, like for about a 10-year period. And I grew it out, and I couldn't remember why, for a 20s party. We were supposed to wear it, and I grew my mustache out and grew my hair long. I'm like, huh, looks all right. So I just left it, and I forgot why I grew it out. So thank the 20s for that. So where am I getting at? If you could pick any era in the world, any time, when would you want to be born? God works in time, and he chose you to live now, good or bad. God works in space. So that's time. Where in the world would you like to be born? Let's just say, like, you chose, and God says, all right, you're here. Even now, in, like, the most advanced age in the whole world, would you, where else, and where else would you want to live? Like, be born in the Sahara? 
Like you're not born in Saudi Arabia. What would your life be like if you were born in Saudi Arabia right now? What would your life be like if you were born, like even in France, which seems really intriguing, right? Because I like going to Europe and it just is beautiful. But 1%, what is it, 10% of the people go to church in France? So just think about like, your, like all these intriguing, what if you were born in Japan? And I know some of you were born in different countries, but is there something pretty amazing that you're born at the most advanced time, obviously now, to experience what we know, like you, in your hand you can have, you can call people and send them text messages. You can look things up and you can, you can have the Bible anywhere you are in the world. You can fly places and it's not super expensive. Like when I was a kid and they, someone would say they're going to fly somewhere, it was like $600. Remember those days? And equivalent dollars, I bet, in the 80s to fly across the country because we had classmates that did that. They went to California for a vacation. And I bet equivalent dollars was probably like $1,400 a ticket today. And now Southwest, what is it, 300 bucks? You could go from, well, from here, it could be, it's 180 from Wisconsin, $700. No, no, like, this is, it's a different thing. So just imagine all these things colliding so that you're born at this time and in this place. And of all this, when we're talking about Thanksgiving, this is what I want to talk about it. God put you at a specific time and a specific moment in a specific family that comes with a privilege. There's something that lined up so that some human being at this time and in this place where you're from has come and said, this is God's word. This is who Jesus is. And I don't know how many things are lined up, but I would guess uh, the percentage of people here, if we all were born in Saudi Arabia, we're not talking about as high a percentage of Christians that know the gospel. Right? You're not born in Iran, you're not born in China, you're not born in Japan, you're not born in India, where the world does not know, many, many people do not know the gospel, but you were born in a place and into a family where your parents said, hey, listen, or your grandparents or some friend growing up said, this is important, and I want you to know who Jesus is, and I want you to know that, that there is a privilege that comes with that. Privilege similar to the one that you're born into now. So I was watching a, U, um, a YouTube video about a youth event, and they, the guy had people line up. You've probably seen this. Your kids should watch this. And I was going to show the film, but the gist of it was this. This guy, had, they're in a big field for this uh, youth group activity, and there's maybe like 50 kids. And so they have all the kids in this field, and he says, I want everyone to line up. We're going to have a race. Has anyone seen this? Okay, so it's going to get even better in the telling. So the, he lines everybody up. And people from all walks of life, and he lines them up, and he says, we're going to race, and we're going to race for $100, which is pretty significant, right? I would, like, if I was in a bystander walking by, I'd be like, 100 bucks, all right, like, roll up my sleeves. And he goes, here's how it's going to work. Everyone's lined up. When I say, uh, I, I'm going to say some sentences, and if it's true about you, you get to take two steps forward. And this is a race for money, so this is intriguing, right? So the first thing that he says is, if you had access to private education, take two steps forward. And like people are looking around, they're like, yeah, they take two steps forward. And then he asked, and you can kind of guess where this is going. He says, okay, if you, I, I got to get some of them right. If you grew up in a home where your parents were not divorced, take two steps forward. Like, so they're looking around like, yeah, thanks mom and dad. I get a little head start here. This is good. And if you grew up in a, a home where there was a father figure, take two steps forward. If you grew up in a home where you were never worried about your cell phone being shut off because not paying the bill, take two steps forward. And then he says, if you're never worried about like you're paying your next bill, take two steps forward. So it goes on and on and on. And they start looking around like these kids in the front are like high-fiving, like, okay, here we go. And then he says, I want you to look around. So at this moment, that's pretty key. The kids look back and they see like a whole line of kids that have never taken one step. And when we talk about thanks. 
giving, right? We, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We get that. And then we talk about our own gifts and our own hard work that have got us to our own success. But have you ever thought about the head start that has been given you because of the time and place and the family that God has put you in? Now, those maybe questions aren't intriguing, right? So maybe you'd like, you know what? I would have taken all those steps forward. Maybe not. Like maybe you had a hard youth and you're saying like, I had this hard race and I had a, I had a struggle and I had to go. But let me ask you adult questions. And uh, so we'll ask something similar. If you had access to private education, you know, take two steps forward, okay? And you're like, okay. If you had access to parents who helped you with college, like take two steps forward. If you had parents that you would consider encouraging in your career, take two steps forward. If you had parents, and this is actually a key metrics, if you had family who was willing to help you with $10,000 or more on a down payment on a house, take two steps forward. This is like a key, key metrics. When they're talking about the small amount difference for people who take like leaps in life, it was $10,000 that they came up with. That they, they had family that was saying when they were in a gym, I'll ask it in a different way. If right now, like everything is going south, and do you have someone you know you could borrow $5,000 from? How many steps, right, have been given to you to be at this point so that you could be ready to succeed in the way they hired? Yes, you've worked hard, I'm sure. And yes, you've used the gifts God has given you. But at some level, if you look around, God has put you in a specific time, in a specific place, uh, ahead of many, many people. God talks about this space and time. And I, I want to look at one passage in particular and then come around. So, um, we this was getting the idea with like uh, we don't we don't get to relive our life like um, with Hinduism and stuff like that. You got one chance at it, but here's the section God talks about. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, sorry, it's a little worded differently than I grew up with. When the time had fully come is how I grew up. When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the adoption of sonship. What does this mean? That means because you were born in a specific time, in a specific place, with specific people that have come into your life through the Holy Spirit, you know who Jesus is. And that God came at a specific time, in a specific place, to die on a cross, to take away the sins of the world, and that includes your sins. To the point that it changed who you are, and God says, you are now adopted into my family. What does that look like? If you talk about what kind of advantages do you have, if you just think from a human perspective, and probably something worthwhile to talk about with your family, is like what, this Thanksgiving, what kind of advantages have come because where we're at? But from a biblical perspective, what kind of advantages have come to you? In Christ, you have a sense of security. Do you like wake up in the morning wondering like, where do I stand with the holy God who created the universe, who can obliterate everything? Or do you know where you stand with God? Are you worried about like all the bills and stuff like that when you have a God who says, do not worry, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you? He says like the birds worry about all that stuff. Don't worry about those things. Just worry about the spiritual things because I'm going to take care of you. You have this sense of security. Uh, and even a relationship, uh, you meet people who have different relationships with their parents. Some are good and some are bad. And I, I know some of you have, have grew up with very difficult situations, but is there that question when the God, how God talks to you about your relationship with him? God doesn't say, like, you were brought to my team. Like, all of us have been on teams where, they, like, the, the, you're valuable to the team as long as you're good. God doesn't talk to us that way. 
Uh, he doesn't even talk to us about like a job, right? You're valuable in a job as long as you're doing your job. How does God refer to us most often? He's our father and you are his children. God is saying, is there any doubt in the relationship when you're talking about your family? That is one that is very hard to break. I mean, no one is saying like, I think I'm in my family and I think my mom loves me. I think my dad loves me as long as. God, the picture God gives us of our relationship is one of security, one that says that you are dearly loved as his children, and that's a relationship that does not break. There's something that comes with it. I, I was watching, uh, listening, that the whole sermon series was kind of based because I listened too much to how I built this. But it's really intriguing when Guy Raz always wants to know where the money comes from. So they start these businesses. This Guy Raz on NPR, he has this store, How I Built This, and they, they talk about how they, and I've shared this before, about how they start different businesses. So recently, someone just died. Uh, they, I can't think of his first name, the guy who started Burton Snowboard. So it's something Burton Carpenter. What? Jake Burton Carpenter. So I already listened to that podcast. It was fascinating how authentic this guy was. There's two super authentic human beings when you listen to it. Because you kind of want to hate these people that are millionaires, just for the record. You kind of want to make them think that they're jerks. And you're like, yeah, I'm not a millionaire because I'm not a jerk, right? And this is why. This guy, he was an extremely authentic human being. So you should listen to this one. And then Dave Kale, I think his name is, or Dave Keel who did uh, Dave's Killer Bread. That is a fascinating one, too, when you just, this hurting human being who just talks about his life of ups and downs and struggle with addiction and how, like, people have helped him through it. And, uh, but this, we listen to Jake Burton uh, Carpenter. They, they ask where they get this money, and sometimes they say, hey, I got it from friends. I maxed out my credit cards. Jake Burton Carpenter had it where his uh, grandmother had died early, so his mom got the inheritance, his mom died early, and so then he just says, matter-of-factly, like, how did you start this company in your early 20s? He goes, like, oh, I had, like, $250,000 in the bank. Now, obviously, that's from tragedy, but something had lined up, this inheritance has lined up so that he could do something different. As a human being, like, you don't have to worry, like, what's going to come next. If you grew up in a family where you know as soon as your mom or dad dies, you get, like, $3 million, are you going to worry about retirement? Probably not, right? You're not too worried uh, because you know something incredible is coming. As a believer, this is what you can sit down and be thankful for this Thanksgiving. This relationship when God says he has died to live in our place for you, you have an inheritance that's to come. You don't have to worry about when death comes. And you have to worry about our friend, uh, a friend we're playing basketball with just had a heart attack. And, like he, and he's a Christian man. I don't think it, and he, he recovers but I don't think he was worried. Why? Because his inheritance is secure in Christ and he doesn't have to worry about it. Christ has done that for each of you. Here's one maybe that you haven't necessarily thought of. Uh, you ever grew up in a family, uh, you, when you grew up in a family and you looked and your parents were, I know some of you, your parents were disciplinarians, pretty intense. And uh, this was maybe my family. And I remember looking at all the other families and there was one family in particular, I won't say their name, because uh, he might actually listen to the podcast. So uh, the one family in particular always thought, why couldn't they live in that family? Because their parents never cared what they did. Everyone ever feel that way? Is there any kids here that feel that way? You can just, your parents are going to poke you if you do, just so you know, because this is the disciplinarian family. But do you ever feel that way? Like you grew up in this family and you thought, why couldn't I be in the family where the parents didn't care so much? And why were, you know, they're always bothering me. And they're always saying, like, I, I knew ahead of time, like, hey, could I do this? I'm just waiting for the no answer all the time. Did anyone grow up in a family like that? There's a few of you, okay, yeah, this is what it's like, and you're just waiting, and you're saying, wouldn't it be great if they would just say, come home before morning? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And I remember going to the sleeping war, uh, so my parents let me sleep over at this house, and, you know, my house was very strict and all these things, 
and I remember uh, they, start, they had cable, which was like, I don't even know how this is straight from the devil. Like the devil shoots cable in when you're a kid. And I remember seeing a TV show. I'm probably like sixth grade. Not only did we stay up all night, which I'd never done in my whole life, which is actually way overrated. Does anyone know that? Like, like it seems so awesome. But never again, right? Unless you're driving home or something like that. So stay overnight. We're watching these movies we shouldn't have been watching as like sixth graders. And I remember coming home and there's like this, and, and his parents didn't care. And I got up and we went to have breakfast. And what did we have for breakfast? Nothing. We had like the pizza left over from the night before because they ordered pizza and my parents never did. And at that moment, there was like this sinking feeling that said, you know what? Parameters that my parents put on, I think, are because they actually like me. And I think that's a unique thing. When you talk about God, it, this is a painful privilege. This is not ideal when we start talking about it. But just look at some of these things. So we've covered security and connection and inheritance. God says he disciplines those he loves. If we look at it in a different part in the Bible, it's saying like that God loves you enough. And you think about that, that God cares enough for you that he's going to send things in your life when you're going down the wrong direction. This is an absolute privilege that you have that says that God cares about you. So what does this all go down? I got a couple examples, uh, and I've shared this before. Repeating myself again, you were born at a specific time, in a specific place, with a faith that God has given you, with specific gifts, for what purpose? And so I got a couple examples. You just think about uh, a woman named Esther. This is uh, like 586, 486 BC, 500 years before Jesus. And you think about this unique situation. God has given her specific gifts at a specific time in a specific country. She's in Babylon at the time, or she was in Persia at the time. So the, the Persians came, they totally defeated the Babylonians. And now she is in this country and she ex is extremely beautiful. And then this opportunity comes that the king is sick of his wife and he says, I want new women to come into my household. This is a weird story, but the woman who is Jewish named Esther gets put into the household. And so she's in the household. She's living this up. You can imagine, like, you go from, like, just hanging out in the town, and now you're living with Xerxes. This is a pretty good deal. And it's her uncle that comes to her and says, who's, basically, who's to say that you weren't put in this position for such a time as this? The Jewish people were about to be persecuted. They are about to be destroyed. And he's saying, what are you going to do about this? Russell Wilson's dad, and I've shared this before, he's the Seattle Seahawks. And one of my favorite lines, and I don't always like Russell Wilson because he went to the Seahawks, but he did play for the Wisconsin Badgers for a while, so we'll let it go. So he was uh, very athletic, but he's not very tall. He's like 5'10", I think, ish. And he's built like a, like a rock. He's like 225 pounds, and he, he was a baseball man too. So he's really like, when you look at him, you'd say he's like a second baseman and maybe a center fielder. But he always wanted to play quarterback, and his dad would say that phrase to him, why, why not you? And I wonder, it, it phrased in modern technology, essentially that's what the uncle of uh, Esther said to her. Like, she's got this moment, she's like, listen, all the Jewish people are going to die. And he's saying, like, why not you? You were born at a specific time, at a specific place, with specific gifts, with a faith in God, that you alone could do something about it. Moses, 1,500 years before Jesus, there's this unique thing, right? They, there's persecution over all the slaves, and he's the one who gets put in this basket, and he floats down the river, and he's the one who's raised in Pharaoh's house, and he's the one who gets the education and the military background and the languages, and he knows all these things. He's the one who feels the plight of the, 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 uh, the Jewish people. He's the one who goes into exile, and at 80 years old, God comes to him and says, essentially, why not you? Lead my people out of Egypt. Joseph, 
a fascinating story when you talk about maturity. Like here is a little bit before Moses. So Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob has all these sons, but one of his is Joseph. And he loves him more than all the rest, right? And this is his point of privilege. He doesn't even know to handle his privilege. So all his brothers hate him. They sell him. He goes to Egypt. And all this thing is like going and crashing and going terrible. And his brothers come back. And there's a fascinating section. If you're going to read anything about forgiveness, if you ever struggled with forgiveness and like just feeling weighed down by bitterness and saying, I can't even move on with my life. Joseph's brothers sold him, pretended he was dead, and sold him as a slave. He makes his way through in prisons. He makes his way all the way through, and he finally gets it, and word gets out that his father had died. And so the brothers come back. They're all living in Egypt, and they all come back to Joseph, and they, they're like, this is not going to be good. He's just been waiting. He's been waiting for dad to die, and now, like, he's going to hammer us. And so they come in, and they fall down at his feet. And it's kind of an emotional thing if you've ever been, like, wronged by anyone. He falls down at his feet, and they say, like, we are your slaves. And Joseph's line is, like, no harm is going to come to you. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He was born at a specific time, at a specific place, with specific experiences. Why not him? David, we won't go all of them, but I mean, David's a unique situation. He's born the shepherd boy, and you're like, who is this guy? When they go to pick the next king, they're like, hey, where's your other son? Is this it? Like, we're out? And he's like, well, I... I got the boy, right? Like, he's watching the sheep, though. So they bring him out, and you can imagine this moment where they said, no, this is the next king. And this a unique moment is he's trained up at a specific time, a specific place, at a shepherd, so that he knows how to throw a slingshot, so that when this giant man named Goliath is mocking God and everyone is afraid, it is David who says, why not me? Give you one more example and then one question. Apostle Paul, fascinating story, which you know, half the New Testament is written by him, most of the New Testament books. But here's a guy who is trained so uniquely as uh, like the Jewish of the Jewish people, like the ultimate Jew. And he grew up and he knows all the laws and he knows all the rules and he knows all the languages and he's zealous and he's so, he knows all the Old Testament that God calls him. So it's so much so that he's per persecuting Christians yet God calls him and says, why not you? Our final thing that I want to hit, that was supposed to go to one more picture. Oh, that was the title. We'll just leave it there. Um, as you get ready for Thanksgiving, it's really easy to think about family and friends and all these other things. But we got a couple things that I think we wrestled with these last few weeks that th someone else has helped you get where you're at. God has given unique abilities and God has given you unique skills and the ability to use those things. And our final question is, like, why not you? God has put you, of all people on this planet, you were born at a specific time, in a specific place, with specific gifts, and what are you going to do about it? And I think a lot of times we always, we forget all the influences that have happened, but there are people in your life that are no better, and I've said this before, who is better to influence your kids than you? Who is better to influence your grandkids than you? Who is better to be a friend and to reach out with a unique gospel than you at work? Who is better than all the people in your neighborhood to stand next to someone you know and say, this is who Jesus is. This is what he means. He came to this earth and gave us a freedom and he gave us a privilege so that we know who Christ is, so we know inheritance and security and intimacy with God. Why do I say that? Because maybe 30 years from now, when they look back and they talk about a specific moment and a specific time, they talk about specific people that God has used, you're the name that they're going to mention. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's, 
it's hard. So many times we get kind of focused on what we're about. Sometimes we want to succeed at careers. Sometimes we want to succeed in school. Sometimes we want to succeed just as parents. But we miss the moments that you've given us. You put us here at a specific time. You work in time and space as you came at a specific time with real nails in your hand. You came with real on a real cross at a real time, and you bled real blood so that we could have a freedom to live in a unique and, and special way that we don't have to worry about the, the end game because that's already covered, but now we have this game, this reality of life, and you've given us each unique, unique moments. As we consider this Thanksgiving, help us to have our eyes wide open for opportunities for moments where we can be the one that you use with all the trials and temptations and sometimes discipline that we struggle through with your help that we can pour into other people's lives so that those lives are changed just as ours was through the gospel and the Holy Spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen.